Welcome to We Hear Her. I am Erin Trenbeth Murray. And I am Jennifer Bean. We're here today with another amazing woman who's sharing her story and insights to lessons learned. Hi there, I'm Erin Trenbeth Murray, and here we are with our podcast, We Hear Her, for Women Who Succeed. And I am thrilled today to get to spend some time with Kristen Andrus, who is known by many on social media as well as in the community as a pure champion, especially of women, children, and refugees. She has so many causes and so much energy, um, but of course her number one priority is her amazing family and all that, that they do together. So let me just take a moment and tell you a little bit about Kristen and then we'll get to talking with her. So first of all, um, one of my favorite things that jumped out in her bio to me is that she is the chief culture officer for her husband and her six children. Uh, she serves as a board member for the Ronald McDonald House Charities out of the Intermountain area and for Undefeated, an organization serving underprivileged youth and single mothers in Uganda. Nonprofit profits count on Kristen for her social media and marketing savvy as well as her supernatural ability to get stuff done. I thought I had a high energy level and could get a lot done. She does four times what I can do in a 24-hour period. With over 100,000 combined followers on 91,000, oh wait, 100,000 combined followers, 91,000 are on Instagram and 12,000 on YouTube. And her live cooking segments of Utah Studio 5, Kristen has built a platform for awareness and impact. Her musings on marriage and motherhood and her collection of 250 free home workouts offer love, light, and laughter for her social media community. And if you haven't seen her workouts, you need to because they are torturous and hilarious at the same time. Apparently, I need to do some more of those. In November 2020, Kristen launched Hashtag Sister Goods, an Instagram, cam Instagram campaign that raised $30,000 in the first week to supply menstrual care products to schools, shelters, and foster care facilities throughout Utah. Hashtag Sister Goods has since spread to more than 60 communities across the U.S. In, a in addition, Kristen is super involved um, in policymaking and legislative movement to support young women, the need for menstrual period products in the high schools and the junior highs. We're going to hear about that today, I hope. And with that, so excited. Kristen, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And today I am a walking hot pink billboard. <laughs> I love that. Well, let's just start For the period project. Yes. So I love that. First of all, my favorite color in the world. So me I'm so too. glad and your lipstick matches it perfectly. <laughs> But tell us about the period project from start to finish. Okay. It's so important. It, it really is. And so a year ago, almost exactly, I was at a junior high school in Murray, Utah, a couple of miles from my house. And I was, I'd frozen turkeys and I was hoisting them into the middle school. And under her breath, this social worker, who's amazing, and I applaud all social workers at all junior high schools, turned to me and said, this is great and we need jackets and we need canned goods, but what we really need our period products. We need pads and tampons. These girls don't have them. And I said, wait, really? And like all of us, we know that food is a problem. We know that we have hunger in Utah and in other states. But when you talk about food insecurity, it actually equals period product insecurity. So we provide free lunch. We do so much for our kids. We have the food bank. We do food bags, you know, on breaks. But what we're not thinking about, and it's never talked about, is that when you do not have enough food, you are choosing between 
buying a meal for your family and buying period products for yourself or your daughters. Mm -hmm. It is a uh, ongoing problem that is today and it's happening in your local school. And I think that was the biggest surprise. I live in Holiday, Utah. I went to my local high school thinking, oh, we're in a fluent community. Mm -hmm. They run out of period products more than I, they are, Kristen, we need more, we need more. It is happening in every single school. So I started an online fundraiser and like myself, everyone went, oh my gosh, it's a problem. And then they thought, well, of course it's a problem. If you really think into it, I run a Walgreens. I get my daughter what she needs. It's no problem. But plus they're kind of pricey. I mean, even there, it's a over the, you know, it's a product that's a non-food item. Yep. Just like diapers or something yep. like that. It's not cheap. So it's not cheap and it's not, this is the saddest part of this. It's not considered medically necessary. And so it is taxed. So Rogaine is not taxed. Viagra is not taxed. Band-Aids aren't taxed. Suntan lotion is not taxed because it's considered medically necessary. An oversight for many, many years is period products. And we are taxed on those. Not only that, the women and girls that are going and using um, SNAP or we call them food stamps. Mm -hmm. It's kind of how a lot of us know them. They are not able to use those food stamps for period products. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. That is actually what makes us devastating oh, wow. for our girls in a local level and a, a countrywide level. Well, I can't even imagine being a 13-year, 14-year-old girl, low-income girl, and the embarrassment. If you were at school and you weren't prepared, you're forced to go down to the office where I love your friend says, yeah. um, Emily says, well, there's you know some cute boy standing behind her at the office counter and she has to ask the secretary for yeah. a tampon or a pad. It's yeah. just that's so undignified. Exactly. You think about confidence. You think about, I'm 42. As a 42-year-old woman, like I could kind of figure it out. But I look back to 13-year-old Kristen mm -hmm. and I had what I needed and it was still every month, mm -hmm. right? So, And they talk about presenteeism, which is really interesting because that means you're in class and maybe you don't have your period at that moment, but you're not in class because you know that your period's coming. You're nervous about it. You're anxious about it. And so actually some of our girls miss school because of this. Not only that, every single month around that time of your period, you have this, you know, anxiety knowing that it's coming. I had that as a 13-year-old sitting in class, mm -hmm. knowing that I had product in my backpack if I needed it. Yeah. So we, we ran with it. Emily had been working on, Emily McCormick, um, a dear friend of ours, uh, was working on policy. And I was working, um, ended up partnering with the Utah Food Bank because as my girlfriends and I packed you know, it ended up being $60,000 worth of pads and tampons in our Suburbans. And we hustled them out to probably over 65 schools in the Salt Lake Valley. Um, we heard stories that we could never forget. And my husband, who runs Traeger Girls, said, Kristen, this is not scalable. <laughs> like, this is not scalable. And you're doing Walmart orders, Costco orders, and Amazon orders. And then you're asking friends to come and, like, you can't keep doing this. What's your plan? And I'm kind of that ready, fire, aim type of personality because I just go, 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 like like you yes, said. Yes. And so I thought, okay, what am I going to do about this? So I reached out to the food bank who I already partnered with on different things and on social media. And I said, what do you guys do with, uh, with feminine products? And they said, I don't know. Well, let's find out. So they sent out a survey to over 200 pantries and literally within 12 hours got back to me and said, this is the highest response we've ever had in the history of the Utah Food Bank for any product we've ever tried to place. We need this and we need this now. So I partnered with them. And so all of my fundraising efforts have gone towards 
the food bank, which Jeremy's very happy because they now can distribute all of the products to the girls and the women in need because they're already going there. The food bank, as you know, is the most amazing organization in Utah, and they have their hands um, and drivers and distribution everywhere where there is need, and now we're able to deliver period products there. And even bigger, though, you're tackling this uh, Hydra yeah. also from the legislative level. Yeah. And share with us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I just literally drove here from a rally up at the Utah State Capitol, and we had hundreds of women come and support this, and so we are writing legislation to get um, pads and tampons for free in all grades. And we're actually doing elementary through high school because sadly mm. girls younger and younger are getting their periods. And if you're um, living in poverty, you have a 38% chance of having your period at seven years old. Mm. And so we need, we need to be in elementary schools. And so we're asking the legislature, come and help us. And we um, privately are going to fund the dispensers in every single school in Utah. And then we're asking the legislature to come in and um, provide the pads and tampons on an ongoing basis for every school in Utah, including charter schools. Bravo. Bravo. I mean, that is just one of the examples of everything I've seen. And I've known, I've had an interesting kind of background of being the nonprofit world and when you're in the nonprofit world, part of your role when you're CEO is fundraising and development. So you get to know a community of folks who have means, who are able to give up their resources, which is so incredible and so generous. And then there's this even smaller niche of people that really walk the walk and talk the talk and put their put their actions in besides just their financial resources. And that's what really impressed me about you as we got to know each other a little bit more this, um, this last year. Um, every time I turned around that you were either, I'll, I'll call you, you know, I sure I can talk. I'm just dropping off, you know, some turkeys or I can, <laughs> sure I can talk to you. I'm just over at the school gathering books or I'm at the refugee center or I'm going to be, and I have never, and I'm talking almost 30 years in the nonprofit world. I have never seen someone that is so engaged financially as well as volunteerism. And you will never know the tens of thousand lives that you have impacted in the state of Utah. And I want you to know how important that was to me, how, to, how moved I've been watching you. Thank you. And it's a privilege to call you a friend. Wow. Thank you. Well, and, and I actually had this experience yesterday, which speaks that and I, I kind of it's just who I am and what I do and so I kind of forget I don't know I kind of forget that that's, not, well, that's not what everybody Most does people don't do this <laughs> but I, I sat I um I ended up with the Utah Muslim Civic League and getting to know some Afghan refugees who who just came and I drove I had to pick them up at their hotel and drive them to get some donations and drive them back and I thought I'm not letting you go like I'm not letting your story end and that's a lot of my thing is like I'm not letting these stories end with me. Like, I have to share them. And so I've kept up with them on WhatsApp. And they were supposed to come to my house for dinner. And they canceled because they were up getting vaccinations. And they invited me over yesterday to help talk to them about SIM cards and, you know, things like that. So I walk in at 2 o'clock. I have to pick up my kids at 3. And I sit down in a Midvale hotel room that's hot and warm with eight Afghan refugees on the carpet with the tablecloth laid out that's stained from the foods that they're eating on the tablecloth and sat and ate with them yesterday at two o'clock. And I had to leave by like 2.45 and it was the best thing I've ever done. I thought I would take a carpet picnic with new Afghan refugees 
one-on-one, -on -one, talking to them, learning from them, laughing with them, crying with them over a rally at the Capitol I, any day because it was personal. Like they, they, they break, their story breaks my heart and I want to share their story and I want to enable them to share their story, which I'm actually working on doing. And, um, but I thought I want to sit on a part on hotel room floors, apartment floors, like breaking bread with people. Like that's actually where the magic is. It's not in right. It's actually opposite of writing checks and it's not about money. And that's what I want people to know. And I, I hope that when I talk online, it's like the magic is in people and it's in stories and it's in sitting with someone in their story. Writing checks is the least exciting thing in the world to do in terms of philanthropy. So that's where my heart is actually in, in those moments. So what advice would you give to philanthropists about how they select or think about not just their financial giving, but that human connection? So someone, let's say someone is, we have a lot of young multimillionaires in the state yeah. and they ha may have not had a lifetime of being in a family that was philanthropically given, giving. Yeah. yeah. What guidance would you give them? Yeah. And I actually run into this quite a bit because everybody really wants to help. They really do, but they don't, don't really know, know where to start. And so I can think of one in particular. And so it doesn't even matter what her, her passion is, but they have money to give. And she's kind of like, I don't know what to do. So I said, what do you care about? Mm -hmm. Like, what's your history? What, when I talk about the different things I do, what moves you to action? What, you know, what is, I was talking about sticky service. So you want to find that one thing. For her, she's actually um, from another country. And so she's like, well, the refugee women and especially single moms, like I can't imagine. And so I've hooked her up with a refugee daycare where they could really use help. And so, and then she keeps coming back. And so what I always say is if, if your service is sticky, meaning like it's, it breaks your heart a little bit and you have some kind of connection with it. If people are asking me to go save the dolphins or turtles, like... I wouldn't be coming back for more. I wouldn't be sitting on an apartment floor talking about turtles because I don't care about turtles. Mm -hmm. And so you really have to find these causes that speak to you. And maybe that's a, maybe that's years of learning. Maybe that's years of dipping your toe in a lot of different mm -hmm. things and then saying, oh, this, this actually really, sticks. Mm -hmm. This resonates. And that's why I say like, you don't have to have every cause that speaks to you. Maybe you need one. And then you come back for more. And I always say really where it becomes special is when you come back. You know, I can go serve it. You'd mentioned the Ronald McDonald house before COVID with my family and it's amazing. But if I don't go back mm -hmm. to me, the impact will never be there when I can go back with my kids and then we come back again. And it's like, these kids are still here. These, these problems do not go away when we leave to our house where we're very comfortable. I want my kids to know that we are always going to be coming back. And that's where I think that sticky service comes in is I'm, this is part of our culture, whether it be refugees for her, you know, this is part of who I am now. Like I care about refugees. I am going to stand up for single moms that come here and do not have help and support that they need. And then you start getting to know them and you know, and then you can mentor. You guys are so great about mentoring and I'm a huge, huge proponent of mentoring. Well, thank you. Let's um, shift gears a little bit. Cause I want to talk about your kids. Six. <laughs> Right? I know. And I, more than once, I have been with you or been on a call with you or your daughter's yeah. calling or yeah. something. So tell me a little bit <laughs> about... Day. Yeah, the other day that was... Put, she was screaming at me. She was screaming. <laughs> Do not hang up. 
<laughs> we're about to start a big event, and Kristen's like, I have to go, honey. I love you. Do not hang up. <laughs> How do you both impart your, you've got an ultra um, philanthropic heart. You have a family of entrepreneurs that are doing very well um, from a capital perspective. like, And so you have this balance of making money and giving money. And you and Jeremy are both incredibly driven people. What kinds of life lessons are you hoping that your children are picking up from all of the unique things that you're putting into this pot for them? Yeah, that is a great question. And I ask myself that every day. Um, I often look at Jeremy who's trying to reinvent. They, he didn't have a lot growing up in the early part of his childhood, so he's trying to reinvent that for our kids. And I'm thinking, I actually don't think that's just not possible. We can't fake that we don't have money to buy shoes. Like, he, <laughs> no, oh, no, he, oh, he's trying to reinvent oh, that way. Yes, he's trying to be like, no, we don't have the means to but, you know, I'm like, You're like no, we, we, can, we can buy <laughs> shoes, you know? So then we kind of like, so it's kind of funny how he, cause he doesn't want them to feel like they have anything and he wants them to work for everything. But then we have to realize like, we really are working with what we have and our stage of life now and, and well-known in the community, well-known in, in all the ways that you talked about. And so really I want them, I want them to, we, we care a lot about, and everyone says this, but it's true, like working hard. Like they see Jeremy, he works so hard. He still mows our lawn. He still does things where the kids are seeing that we don't hire everything out. We still mm -hmm. mow the lawn. We still do this. We still, you know, show up. And I obviously work very hard, but we want them to see that this is who we are. Like that's our character, right? It's not because of where we are, but like I will keep going after things and work hard and go after them because that's who I am, not because of the position that we're in. So we talk a lot about, that when you know, we say this is this is really where we come from. This is our home, and these are our vacations. And you're welcome to come with us until you're 18, or how you know however old. But then you leave, and you get to do it yourself. Like what we've created is what mom and dad have created. It's not you. Mm -hmm. You are not this. You get to go and do this yourself. You get to either find a spouse or do it on your own, or however it's going to look for you. But it's kind of like you you get to rent a space with us and you get to hang out with us and maybe we'll still bring you on vacation, but then you get to go show the world who you are. And so really that's what we talk about all the time. It's like, because we can't fake that we don't have money to vacation or things like that, but it's like, this is ours and you're going to end up at a very low cost hotel in Mexico and you're going to be thrilled. Right. You know, and this is going to be amazing for you because then you get to climb up and do it yourself. And you did it. Absolutely. And we're definitely of the mindset where they're not going to be left with much at all, like mm -hmm. for sure. And so we hope to give it all away before we die. And then it's not a problem for them. And then I, it's not an I actually think it's a huge problem and that will not be a problem that we pass on to them. Mm -hmm. um, we want them to work for it and, and you appreciate it so much more. But we also live in a way that they never have the best. Mm -hmm. They don't have phones. They don't have the best dance clothes. They don't. And really, I can't keep like, I can't even keep them in size pants that they need. I have six kids. Like, they're right. It's like, mom, I don't have shoes that fit. I'm like, oh, you really don't have shoes that fit. I can't keep up on this Go season. Check so, your older siblings. Yeah, exactly. And so we purposely don't, we're not consumers. We're just not. I hate stuff. Like things, stuff, buying clothes. It's just not my thing. 
And so I kind of pass it on to them. It's like stuff doesn't matter. Um, and where you're never going to have the best you could, but we're going to actually make sure that you never do. And so they're not, ex their expectations, right? expectations is everything. Their expectations of that type of stuff is that they're never going to have the best. And I don't know. It's hard. Yeah, I know. Is there ever we're a making right, it up. 100 answer? Yeah, making it yeah. up. I, my boys are now 22 and 18, and they're definitely things that I'm like, ugh, missed that one. Right. Um, but overall, you know, I feel like they knew they were ultra loved. Yes. Um, they know that I'm a person of character, and we try to describe those elements of work ethic and and respect and have those kinds of things carry through. Yes. And that's really all you can do is try to impart that and then wish them luck and hope that they can find themselves. And yeah. every child, this is what my biggest aha moment when I started having multiple kids is, oh, I can't parent them all the same. Mm, yeah. Oh, number three needs this. And number two, I mean, I, they have names, but, you know. <laughs> they have names. But, you know, like she <laughs> needs that. And, and even I have identical twin boys. Yeah. They, I have to parent them so differently. And I'm like, what? I thought I was just going to raise them all. I had them, you know, right. six and eight years, which makes me like, Great. That's why I can do so much now. If I did that, oh I can do anything. Six kids at eight oh years. Oh my gosh, we had twins. So that. Oh right. Yeah. Okay. That's, well, there you I go. know. So, but that's what's really that. That's what shakes me constantly. It's like, okay, I have to parent them so differently. They have different needs, and how they're actually going to come out of this, we'll probably screw them up enough. But it's going to be very different. Some oh, will be fine. Different. Some won't be fine. And we've done the best we can. We've done the best we can. Yeah. Well, I love that. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I Absolutely. think that a lot of what I'm going to take away or what that is what I one of some of the big nuggets that I got, the relationships, the human relationships and the experiences um, of your lives are what fills your cup. Yes. That it's and that's what you're imparting to your children. That's what you share with your husband and I love that. It's not stuff and and things and that's shows in your philanthropic work, it shows in your relationships with the community, and it shows with how you parent your children. So thank, thank you. you for being here. Thank you so much. Thank you for me. having me. Thank you. You are a mentor of mine, and I'm <laughs> thrilled. No, you are. I'm thrilled to get to know you and to be in your circle. Oh, so thank you. Well, that is all we have today for the We Hear Her podcast with Kristen Andrus, and we're so grateful for all of you that keep tuning back in and listening to more amazing women. Have a great day. Thank you for taking time to hear her. Join our efforts and learn more at womenwhosucceed.org. A big thank you to our sponsor, the Clark and Christine Ivory Foundation.